The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Welcome back to another program, Afternoons with Mike, here on the Shepherd Radio Network. It's always a good day for me when my friend Dave Zanotti is on the line with me today. He's traveling again. I, I don't know how many shows, Dave, we've done together with you and your car, but I, I feel like this is a becoming a common setup here, man. It's, it's a road show, Mike. I'm trying to get back to Florida this time, so yes. So you're on your way back down to your Florida office. Right. I wasn't sure if you were coming right. or going. We've, we've done both since we've spoken last. So yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're once again back to the office. Well, we find ourselves here, Dave, uh, and for those that may not know as uh, well as others of our listeners, Dave is the leader of the American Policy Roundtable. He's the host of the public square, and that, of course, is heard here on The Shepherd on all of our stations. He's on radio stations across the country doing a work of keeping alive what would be the founder's understanding of liberty, what would be the way our country was formed in the beginning, and really, I think, cherishing the freedoms that we've had in such a way that you guys are doing everything you can do to not only help preserve them from your efforts, but to help other people like listeners to understand and to carry that uh, burden themselves. So thank you, Dave, for what you've done. You've been doing this for what, 42 years now, right? Yes, sir. 43 years this year, Mike. 43 almost. Unbelievable, man. And you guys are in, I know, a very small slice of the pie of people who have been working that long to keep our liberties what they are. And uh, Dave, I'll just be honest with you, this week in which we're talking, this has not been a, uh, a week of encouragement for those efforts. I know that sometimes you feel like you can see some growth and other times it feels like more dirt has just been thrown over our face. And that's what's going on in America right now on so many different fronts. I mean, liberty is, is like being hunted down right now. That's what it feels like to me. Would you agree? Wow, those are two great illustrations on how people feel right now. And uh, you couldn't have said that better, Mike. Uh, the, the burden of liberty, it doesn't come from nowhere. And if you take a look at the entire path of human civilizations, America is unique. For example, most people don't know, Mike, that Great Britain, Canada, Israel, to this very day, still do not have constitutions. They have an amalgamation of laws that they have laid constitutional import upon, but they have never yet sat down and constructed a singular document on how they shall govern themselves. America did that day one. And it, in preceding that, we have at least two documents, perhaps three, that, that define the why we are doing that, and the first begins with the Declaration of Independence. That declaration, Mike, starts with the Creator as the source of all human liberty. Now, that is a unique reality in the history of civilizations. Right. And from that flows the, the reality that since God made us and He made us all equal, in his eyes and in his sight and gave us our rights. That means that every person in our society is born with the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and more rights than just those. But that's where it starts, right. coming from the creator. Mike, that's never happened before in human history where society began with that confession and then followed it up with sitting down 11 years later after winning a war for independence, basically winning it by not losing it, they outlasted the British. And then they were able to sit down and construct a document in the thought flow of that declaration. So the American enterprise has created more liberty for humans than any other civilization in the history of humanity. And so this American experience and understanding has to be 
transferred from generation to generation to generation. And about 100 years ago, Mike, we seriously began to lose the transfer of that data. The files got corrupted, mm-hmm. and now people yeah. are operating on a platform that doesn't work. And one that's not true. I know from when I was in college, and this goes back to the early 70s, we could already see, like you said, back then, it was really going down. And I remember one of my professors, Dave, saying, and he was kind of speaking off the cuff that day, and he was talking, it was a government class, and he was talking about the state of America, and this was 1971, for crying out loud. He said, the state of America, he said, class, I'll just be honest with you right now. He said, as I look at it, as I've studied world government all these years, and he was an older man then, he said, I believe America is primed for a takeover. And that was 1971. And so it it would be easy, I'm sure, for the kids that heard it that day to go, ah, no way, that will never happen. This is America. But the things that we're seeing happen in America this last couple of weeks especially are, are really concerning. And you wonder, is that process... Have we crossed that proverbial Rubicon already uh, that uh, means that we've gone so far that we're not going to go back? I mean, that's the concern. Well, and I think that the first way of answering that question is to ask in a diagnostic fashion, what happened that put us on this path? Now, we've spent 43 years, and I spent a little longer than that studying that question, because in 1977... Uh, I met Dr. Francis Schaefer in his first tour of America with wow. the uh, with the film, How Shall We Then Live? And from the first 30 minutes of that presentation, we were in, we understood, we, we got it. And, and we have pursued that form of teaching and that understanding of traditional historical teaching documents uh, since 1977. And Mike, the reality is uh, it, it's, we've, we've, going from Francis Schaeffer the whole way to Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs of, of Great Britain, the chief rabbi of Great Britain, we've formulated this simple understanding that when a society loses God, we lose man. You lose God, you lose man. And when you lose man, you clearly lose the reason for civil liberty. And about 125 years ago, America intentionally, among the intellectuals and the elites, decided that we needed to move America from the traditional God-centered, theistic truth approach of the Declaration and the Constitution and move us to the godless equation. It's been going on for 125 years. Mm-hmm, right. and, and, and so what happened was you do that long enough. You lose liberty, and that's the peril that we're in right now. But the good news is if you find God, you find man, and he's not hard to find. He's not far away, as Paul said on Mars Hill. The, the answer to this, and you know, we're going to go through a lot of issues, but the, and it's okay to say the answer now and say it again and say it again and say it again, because the answer is the same answer. If we find God, we'll find the reason for liberty again. If we don't, what we're going to see is an acceleration of tragedy. I think a lot of people uh, need to be reminded about that. The sovereignty of God is not a small thing, is it? It's a huge thing. It's bigger than we can ever get our brains around, and it's bigger than what are the problems of America right now. But it is so easy in the moment. It is so easy to look at the news or listen to headlines or to look at the state of things happening here in this country. And and to think that we're just in one of those dark times and see ourselves like like what the Israelites were on their way to Babylon. I mean, that's that's what it feels like. And very very important point to make it because we got we've got to remember now we, we we can't mix our idioms and a lot of times as believers we get a little lost in Hebrew history and what God was doing then. And, and we start to overlay certain things as if it's inevitable that certain things are going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And we, get, we can get a little bit lost and, and fail to realize that Israel could have repented as well. Okay, that's why the prophets were there. That's right. <laughs> so, so, but, but plus Israel, Mike, was, was working pre the cross of Jesus Christ, pre the atonement of Christ. Right. Which changes everything. That's and right. And the possibility for humanity. 
So I think it's really important for Christians to understand there is not an inevitability of human sinfulness that in our generation cannot be turned back. That, that it, there is not an inevitability. The New Testament does not have a trap door in it that says all of this is true, but someday you'll be so sinful that it won't work anymore. Right. That's not true. That's right. You know, when I look at Israel and I look at what happened, I think of uh, the whole Joshua, Caleb experience going in. And if we were to put that into today's scenario, when they got back from that spy trip, it, let's just say that in American vernacular, there was a poll that was out and the poll came back that only two out of the whole group believed that there was any chance at all against going into the promised land. When you look at it that way, and yet we know the story. We know that it was victorious in spite of the fact that they felt those other 10 felt like grasshoppers against the enemy. Uh, you know, we, we can't trust the polling numbers that we hear today. We have to trust in the sovereignty of God. What a great illustration. You're betting a thousand today. Uh, that is exactly the point and something that we need to continue to remind ourselves you know, Joshua and Caleb did make it into the promised land because God was faithful. And there have always been giants in the land. And it doesn't matter whether or not by perspective we are grasshopper in the eyes of the giants. What matters is how do we see God? How do we see right, God? Right. Because uh, just like that story you just told is so inspiring, the story of the Declaration and the Constitution and the founding era were a handful of people, only 56 people got together and decided to make a confessional statement that ended up provoking a war, which ended up being victorious for the Americans because they put their faith in God. The banner of the American War for Independence was the first banner was an appeal to heaven. It wasn't don't tread on me. It was an appeal to heaven. That's good. Now, both, both flags were real and both flags were true. Uh, so the, the, the point is, is that it is always possible for people to repent. And God has always been in the business of working through remnants to restore nations. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't surprise us at all. So we have to be careful that we don't let the overwhelming amount of information that focuses on what the bad guys are doing and what the devil himself is doing in our culture outweigh the reality of who God is. And the fact that for every bad guy's story, I'll guarantee you, there are many more stories of righteousness and faith and repentance. Yeah, and I think so many of us can get lost in those details and feel like we're getting buried by just all of the bits of bad news that we see. And we can forget, and I know I, that I'm prone to that as well. I can get discouraged and go to bed, and then uh, this happens to me more times than I can ever speak of. Uh, on my way to retire for the night, feeling so like, wow, what has happened? All of a sudden, there is that spark, and I know it's the Holy Spirit helping me, reminding me that all is not lost, that my hope is not in what I see. My hope is in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is greater than all of these things, and that's what we have to believe. Well, let's look at it this way. The devil's greatest tools, Mike, are deception, right, and distraction. Right. He loves to deceive us. He loves to distract us, and then he loves to discourage us. And he's always busy about attempting to influence people of faith that their faith doesn't matter, their hope will not prevail, and, and, that, and that God will not use them for his purposes on earth. And this is the devil's game always, to overwhelm God's people with deception and distraction and discouragement. That's right. And a lot of people are in that category this week because of the things that are happening pre predominantly, what is uh, unfolding before our eyes. And that is, of course, surrounding what happened yesterday with uh, Donald Trump and with the incredible amount of, uh, of news that's coming out now about these charges. 34 felony counts brought against him. And the news, uh, they are reflecting what many people's opinions would be, that these are extrapolated charges 
these are like drawn up in, in a almost whimsical way to a, a felony level when they're really not. So there, a lot of people's eyes are on those details that, that tend to want to drown us. And we've got to look past that and see what is going to happen in the days to come. And that's where I always appreciate the way that you draw us, Dave, away from those details, away from just the stuff that's going on in the news. And you put our eyes back upon what we need to be thinking about, and that is the reality of God and the reality of the cross, the reality. Here we are on Easter week. We are are coming up on Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday. Uh, We need to have our eyes on that and not forget that he's the one who's leading his own. Well, you know, Mike, from the beginning, the saying has been around, you can put truth in the tomb, but you can't keep it there. It will always rise again. And we serve a God who is truth, and he will have his way on earth. The blood of Christ that touched this earth not only bought the redemption of our souls, but bought the redemption of this planet. God made this place He bought and paid for this place with the blood of his son. He bought and paid for our souls with the blood of his son. And he's not looking for a refund. He is going to accomplish his purpose on earth. And that does include every arena of life, including public policy, including the White House, including the courts. It's all in there. But we have to see it from a perspective of God's word and his plan and how we fit into it not come screaming to him as if somebody needed to make sure he watched Fox News last night because right. he might have missed some. That's right. He's bigger than Fox News. <laughs> That's good news, friends. In case you're worried about that or in case you're wondering, no worries. God is bigger than all of that. And yet at the same time, I know that there are things that happen that are, are concerning. And you wonder in our country, given, and this is something I'd love for you to comment on in the moments we have left in this segment, given what America has been given, the freedoms that we have existed under, and the very the very structure, let's say, that people who are wealthy beyond imagination made their wealth in this country with the freedoms that we have, yet it seems, Dave, that those very people, uh, often people of, uh, let's say, in, in government even, who, who are going to make decisions that is going to cost us those very freedoms and the very structure that blessed them in their life. That is, uh, to me, that is always one of the biggest things about this, that you scratch your head and wonder how. What do you think about that? Well, what we're talking about is pragmatism. We're talking about people in power, in elite power structures, um, either the corporate world or the corporate world married to the political parties. And that collusion inside Washington, D.C., the elite ruling class, basically doing what they think's best because it, 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 it makes them feel that their unique worldview is being implemented in the culture. There is a power elite and there is everybody else. I wish it wasn't so. It's not a convenient excuse. We've done our whole life on this. And I'll tell you, it exists. And there are some people who are brutal pragmatists who believe that the best way to keep everything together is to keep the ruling elites in power. And so everything is a war between them. That's when you get into a situation with Donald Trump. Donald Trump, you you could plug any name in the box at that time. It's about the Democrats maintaining control over the Washington, D.C. power structure. Mm -hmm. And Donald Trump is a threat. Therefore, he's in the way. Therefore, we will marshal any necessary agency or form of government or initiative to stay in power. It's a it's a. it's a junior high school battle, Mike, and wow. it's people playing loose and free with the rules for the immediate pragmatic uh, gain of controlling power. I'm up against a break. Let's pause right there and we'll pick this up on the other side. This is Afternoons with Mike, my guest, Dave Zanotti from the Public Square. We'll be right back. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, 
EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Well, we are in it today with Dave Zanotti. America is just kind of buzzing with all the events of uh, the past several days, including last week. And I know at some point, Dave, I want to touch on the the Nashville tragedy because I know it really affected you and your team there because you have an office in Nashville. Uh, These are days that it's so easy, as we talked about in segment one, to keep our eyes only on the details and, and feel the discouragement that results when we do that when we need to be lifting our eyes to God's holy hill, the source of our help. And that's what we need to be doing, right? Mike, and we can do both. And that's important. And I know you understand that. And the Shepherd Network understands that. That when Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, that means we keep our eyes on his throne. And then we represent that throne here on earth in every area of life. So that's a very different mandate than the power elites have in America today, as we were talking before the break. The thing that's, let's talk about the Donald Trump situation right now in the indictment. Yes. The pragmatists who do not begin with first principles and a commitment to first principles, who basically say, we'll use the American system of government however we need to use it at whatever level of government to get what we want out of it. Let me explain. If it requires federal prosecution, we'll do federal prosecution. If we can come up with a clever way to do state prosecution, we'll do that. If we need to work in the courts, then we'll do that. But if the courts aren't giving us what we want, then we'll work in the legislature. And if that isn't giving us what we want, then we'll go back to the electoral process and elect more people. And then if they're not giving us what we want, then we'll stack the courts. In other words, the pragmatist is not bound by principle as to How is the system supposed to work to honor God and honor man? The pragmatist says, how do I get what I want out of the system? And that is the definition of both the Republican and the Democrat parties today in Washington, D.C. They manipulate the system to get what they want. So the Donald Trump prosecution is something that most people have no idea what just happened to us as a country in that a federal official who normally and ethically and for all of American history until this hour would have been prosecuted if there was a crime by federal prosecutors because it involves the president and and, and the, the former president and a presidential candidate. This would have been something that would have been risen to the level of a federal crime and a grand jury would have been called in a federal court and this would have been dealt with in in the federal system. And so that's the normal pattern for all of American history, without exception, at least without exception, the best of the research we've done so far. Now, and, and most people, everybody agrees on that one. But instead, because the enemies of Trump want rid of him, and the enemies of Trump are not just Democrats, there's Republicans as well. I, they have decided that the best way to get Donald Trump get him into a courtroom, and perhaps even get him convicted of something is for a state prosecutor to begin in a state court and to attack Donald Trump's business transactions and to somehow presume that the multiplication or the daisy chaining together of certain activities that somehow would have impacted the outcome of an election or the potential outcome could be daisy chained together to create a federal crime or at least a significant state crime, and therefore convict the, pres- the, the former president of the United States and a candidate for the presidency. Nobody's ever tried that stunt before. And most lawyers shake their heads and go, you can't do that. You can't, you, this, is, this is purely about getting a person. It's purely about politics. The second yeah. point is when you go through that process, you end up where Nancy Pelosi said that Donald Trump was, which is, well, he'll get to go to court to prove his innocence. Yeah, right. That, that oh, is anathema goodness. to the entirety of what America stands for, in that we are made by our creator. We are, our rights come from, from God. Government exists to protect our 
you are innocent until proven guilty. Now, you can be guilty and convicted, but you're innocent until it's proven so that you cannot become a political prisoner of powerful people who don't like you because we're all to stand equal before the law. Right. So the left has radically twisted this thing saying, well, it's about time somebody make him stand equal before the law. Wait a second. Anytime anyone, whether it's Nancy Pelosi or Donald Trump, is dragged into court and has to prove their innocence, that's wrong. I hear the word, it's thrown around all the time, banana republic. Do you feel that that is uh, kind of an accurate uh, description of some of the leaders right now in, in, our, in our country? Actually, I think that's an insult to people that are in the banana business. Um, <laughs> it, I, 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 I don't even think that's right. You know, I think that's a condescending term, in, in, and I just think what we're doing is just plain stupid. I mean, I don't think we need to lay it off and compare it to anybody. What we're doing is just plain stupid. Right. And, and the, the answer to it is that we have to unelect the people who are playing to the power elite curve, regardless of what their political party affiliation is. Example. The Democrat prosecutor in New York, in Manhattan, that is driving, is driving all this, was elected. He was elected largely because of funding from George Soros. That man needs to be unelected, and an independent constitutionalist needs to be in that position who will treat all people as equal before the law. You don't want a tyrant in any prosecutorial position, no matter whether they're Republican or Democrat, conservative or, or, or liberal, you want a person committed to the first principles of justice according to constitutional law. And I don't care whether the Democrat, Republican, or, or independent, or Martian. It doesn't matter because the law is the law. See, this is what we've forsaken, and it's because of political pragmatism. Get Trump at any cost. Well, let me tell you something. Now, now to a certain degree, some of this Donald Trump is responsible for because he was the person who, uh, who, uh, who permitted and, and uh, the, the chance of lock her up and throw away the key, lock her up and throw away the key, mm -hmm, right. that sense of mob justice, that sense of we know justice wasn't served, so let's go get Hillary Clinton, let's go get Nancy Pelosi, let's go get the media. You know, you got to be careful with what you model. You got to be careful. We have to be responsible. We'll all be held accountable for what we say now. I need to take a minute and protect you and your program and your wonderful network. I mean, people can send their emails of dissatisfaction to me. I, you and I have not talked about Donald Trump a whole lot. I am not a Trump hater, and I am not a Trump lover, because I don't hate or love any politician. A politician is just a job description. All human beings stand equal before the throne of God, and I don't have heroes of humanity. It's not where the scripture calls us to be. Our hero is the risen son of God. He's right. the one we want That's to right. become like. That's right. So we pray for all of these people the same. We try our hardest to, to afford them the, the, the courtesy that God calls us to, to call them to. But we are all equal before the law, and we are all equal before the Lord, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Therefore, look, you don't have to be a hero to Donald, for Donald Trump to acknowledge you don't have to be a lover of Donald Trump to acknowledge what's going on here is just, first off, it's anti-historical. Secondly, it's anti-constitutional. And third, it's just dumb as, as, as a rock. It's just stupid. Right? And it's all politics. We see that. One of the reasons why all of this can take place, and I'd love your uh, thoughts on this to see if you agree with this statement, is because the general populace of our country, especially in areas that are, uh, you know, like New York and California, uh, Chicago, a lot of the people there really don't know that. I mean, they've not been taught and they don't own in their own uh, knowledge base. They don't know about liberty. They don't know about what this country went through to get to become the United States of America. They just don't know. So that plays very well into this uh, kind of direction that is being given to us. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, Mike, we have generational pockets of ignorance by design. I'll repeat, generational pockets of ignorance by design, where we have generations of school children who have been trained in anything but the first principles of America and constitutional law. And when you raise people up not knowing the truth, 
for a hundred years, they're incapable of functioning according to those truths because they don't know what they are. You can't teach a man who can't walk how to tap dance. You can't teach people who have never learned the truth of where our government came from and how it's supposed to function. You can't expect them to do anything but rally to, to, to heroes and, and, and false flags. And I mean, we've turned our form of civil government into the World Wrestling Federation. Mm. It's an embarrassment. Mm -hmm. This isn't about vicariously picking a good guy or a bad guy. It's about us learning how to govern ourselves. And Mike, it is, this is where people could, could forsake reality. It is the place where you could give up all hope because we've been doing it for so long and now it appears to be everywhere. But I want to remind us, God is still in heaven. The truth, you can put it in a tomb, but it won't stay there. There are thousands upon thousands of people every single week who go to church and hear a different message, who's, who hear a different message about America on radio stations like this, who hear a message about the truth of God and the truth of America around their dinner tables. There are a lot of people left a lot of people left who still know better. The problem is the left is trying to overwhelm those people with discouragement so they'll give up teaching their children and their grandchildren. They'll give up electing new prosecutors, electing new state representatives, and they'll simply give up and say, it's too late. I just got to put my head down and see if I can survive this till Jesus comes. That's uh, the way a lot of people feel that I've talked with. They feel like I've just got to survive. And, you know, I, that, that would be the formation of my next question. Uh, what can we, what should we as a people do that is not being done out of uh, like a sense of hopelessness or whatever? If we believe, and we that believe in the, that are listening to this broadcast on this radio station or through this podcast, we are believers in God. What should we, what must we do uh, practically besides pray and besides believe? What can we do, Dave? Well, and I would say that, that in addition to the prayer and belief, I know this is all a part of it. I never, ever want to exclude the reality of repentance. And what that means is we pray, we believe, and we wait upon God for him to show us what it is that he wants us to do. We wait upon him. So we have to have that part of it as well. We wait upon him. Now, the other thing is we have to accept the responsibility of civil government upon ourselves. You say, well, wait a minute. I can't change the White House. That's exactly right. You can't change the White House today. But today, we can make a decision to work with people that we know who want to see someone new elected to a state rep job or a city council job or a school board job who someday might actually become a senator in this fine state, who someday might become a governor in this fine state, who someday might become the president of this United States of America. Every person who made a big deal of a difference ended up starting somewhere, and we can be the agents who help people get started in the process. Mm -hmm. This is critical for us, Mike. It's absolutely critical that we understand that we wait on God and we get involved in the process. Right. So what does that look like? Make sure you're registered to vote. Make sure you're voting. Make sure you're praying. But don't stop there. You've got to be listening to this radio program. You've got to be networking with people who care. And people say, well, wait a minute. Um, my Republican Party group that I would go to is bad. Or my Democrat Party group that I would go to is bad. Fine. Ask God to show you 10 people in your lifetime who care like you care, who you can work together and you start your own alternative reality in regards to your school board, your city council, and who runs for your state legislative offices and Congress. Mike, a dozen people binding together in faith can basically displace all kinds of people in the political process and replace them with the right people. And they're not alone. Nobody's starting from zero, friend. There are lots of people that are doing this. We just need to find each other. That's right. We've got about three minutes in this segment left. I want to touch on what happened yesterday, which didn't go the way many people who were praying and were working towards for it to go. And that was the uh, election of a uh, Supreme Court member in Wisconsin that was going to certainly be the tiebreaker or the uh, tilter, if you will, of whatever direction that uh, th that state is going to go, with, re especially with regards to abortion. 
And you've done that, uh, you've covered that, that subject matter a lot on the public square lately. What are your thoughts about what happened in Wisconsin? Well, it's disappointing, but every state race in every state election always has uniqueness and points to that state that, that people from outside looking in are not aware of. All right. Uh, plus, people need to understand Wisconsin, and we have wonderful friends in Wisconsin. There's a lot of wonderful uh, Christian folk and conservative folk there. It, Wisconsin is a touch-and-go state. But to be honest, Wisconsin is a blue state, and they've had some very serious changes over the years. There's been a battle that's being fought between conservative and liberal forces there, but, but Wisconsin has a lot of left-wing-leaning people, and the people there who think otherwise know it's a fight. So there's going to be those moments where someone will surge and win this piece and then someone will surge and win that piece. So to think that it's all lost because the court in Wisconsin has flipped 4-3 liberal, well, let's remember something. We spent 50 years working to make sure that abortion got out of the federal court system. We don't need to spend 50 more years trying to drag it out of the state system. The, the people of Wisconsin and their legislature can control the abortion debate and battle with their court, just as, as we battled with the federal court across the country. So if the court's gone bad, unelect the bad people, get new people in. And in the meantime, apply the proper constitutional measures in the legislature. And if that's not good enough, elect new state lawmakers. Now, it may come to a place, Mike, where pro-life people simply can't win some states and they have to leave. And they have to leave by the millions because they simply can't be a part of the process any longer, which too soon to know that. But I recognize we may end up with a country that has a dozen states that are or six states or four states that are so pro-abortion that anyone who doesn't agree can't be there. Mm -hmm. So we may end up with that kind of a soft civil war over this issue. You know, it's so sad. I woke up this morning and it's funny. I asked myself a question early as I'm just trying to wake up and praying and, uh, you know, thinking about our country. And then the thought hit me, the disunited states, you know, I, that kind of came out of nowhere. And I, I even looked it up as that disunity is that is a word, right? And so, yes, it is. And, you know, it's sad to think, isn't it, that all of these years we've been known as America, the United States. And right now, what you said is so true. We may have to realize that uh, in some of those areas, some of those pockets, some of those states, we may we may uh, have to just kind of entrust all of that to God, and many people will leave. And that's what's happening right now in Florida. We're, as you know, we're getting a lot of New York down here. I'm just praying they leave their politics up there. <laughs> well, and this is not um, not an easy subject, Mike. Not an easy subject at all. We talk more about this because it is, it is a reality. Now, it's something we're going to see in our lifetimes. If the Lord doesn't return, you and I don't leave early. Um, right. uh, we're going to see this, this kind of division. Jesus said it first. Abraham Lincoln echoed that a house divided against itself cannot stand. We can be divided about sports teams. We can be divided about a lot of things. But when it comes to a question of what does it mean to be human and shall all human life be protected, this is a matter that divides nations whether religion is involved or not. That's right. We're up against another break. We'll be right back. Dave Zanotti, my guest today. Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Segment three already with Dave Zanotti, host of the Public Square Heard Daily here on The Shepherd. And uh, boy, I know there's a lot going on. You guys cover it so well on your program. It's always fun to hear the roundtable all of the guys are discussing these important issues. And it just so happens that in this day and age, Dave, there aren't, there's not a shortage of issues to discuss around the roundtable, right? We're a very busy group right now. And I always want to say, Mike, we're very thankful for everyone that's listening to us on The Shepherd. And we love to hear from people. And people continually will write to us and email us and call us. And we're happy to hear what people are thinking. It means a lot to us. It is a conversation that's ongoing. 
It is, and it's an important one. And uh, we mentioned this earlier in the show, alluded to the fact that uh, the Public Square American Policy Roundtable has an office in Nashville, an area that I know that you have a, a real special place in your heart. It's the locale for your Christmas in America programs. You have a lot of uh, really dear friendships that are a part of the music scene in Nashville and a church that has been very influential among the believers there in Nashville was met with just a, an horrific tragedy uh, as this young girl uh, who armed herself in, in ways that are just inexplicable and set off on, a, on a, just a rampage last week in Nashville, killing six people before being killed herself by police. Uh, that has just sent shockwaves, not only through the Christian community, but through the entire area and the nation. What are, how, did, how has this been uh, uh, hitting you, Dave, and the people there in uh, the public square? Well, we have driven past uh, the church at Calvin School hundreds and hundreds of times. Uh, but we've also gone up the hill uh, to the school and the church where we've helped to host there. We've spoken there. I've stood in that parking lot and talked with listeners to the public square right there at the church. Wow. So we've, we've, we've been around the covenant community. And, and while we don't intimately know the people that were, whose lives were taken or their families, we know the community. And these are really good people. It's the last place we would have expected this war over human identity to explode uh, in, in the murderous, treacherous, results of what happened at the, during that shooting. It's, it's a horrible thing. It, and it, it shocked everyone because the peaceful, idyllic, innocent place that that school is, is the last place you would have expected this to happen. Now, there's a whole discussion about that in regards to how do we make schools safer? How do we harden the perimeters of our schools and churches and soft targets? Uh, but before we get to all of that, it is, it is a horror. It is a horror to think that a human being so confused in regards to the realm of identity, who they are, would, would manifest that, that despair in the slaughter of innocent people. It, it doesn't add up. Mate. It will never add up. No matter how far hard that we look for a motive, the motive is right there in front of us. And, and it's very dangerous, and it's very painful, and it's very awful, and there's really no way to quantify it, except to call it what it is. It's, right. it's a horror. And it's just the beginning of horrors is what our fear is. Mm -hmm. and, and, and this is what happens when we lose God, we lose man, and we lose our ability to love man. And man simply becomes an object, a machine, a barrier, or a symbol. And then we treat ourselves and each other most terrifically. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that is so true. We have lost so much, and those people, uh, the pastor losing his own daughter, it's unthinkable. I mean, you know, even if you don't know the people, uh, it, it's not hard at all to put ourselves in their shoes and imagine what that would be like for us. It's unimaginable what they were going through, and I know that uh, the people in Nashville are praying. We're praying. We're asking God uh, to do it. Now, here's something that I, I think a lot of people are wondering why this is being held secret. This person who did it, this young lady that went in there suffering from, like you said, the delusions of gender and feeling uh, obviously angry, much more angry than any, even her parents thought she would have been. Uh, she wrote a manifesto, Dave. She left something and that has not been unfolded. It's not been put out. And, and a lot of people are asking, why will the police not release that? Well, this is uh, a question we've been asking from the beginning. And, and patience will run out if now that the funerals are being conducted and the grieving across the community is, is reaching the next level, as soon we'll be in a position where people will be able to pursue these documents through legal means of freedom of information and public records. Um, and, and we will find out. And of course, Mike, we want to know an answer. We want a motive because our human minds cannot comprehend this level of, of disconnected rage 
be, between innocent victims right. and, and, and the perpetrator. It doesn't add up. It, it is, it is, it, it's, it, granted, the shooter is dead. The shooter represents no further threat. But the motive is what troubles us. That's so right. So horrific what happened. We're concerned about what must we know to see that it doesn't happen again. And we're told the FBI is holding the files and so on and so forth. We don't want to start a fight. Reality is the governor and the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation could move in and get this information. There's no rights to be violated because the shooter is dead. I mean, this information should be revealed. Now, I want to be careful because this could also be a trap door. We may find out that assumptions that are being made are not accurate once all this information comes out. That doesn't matter. Nobody wants to live on assumptions. We do want the truth. Yes. And, and, you know, the truth that caused this person, or I should say the position that caused this person to do what she did, uh, that is still very much alive and well among many people, especially when you have groups and even government leaders referring to this as almost a martyr for the cause of transgenderism. And that's just, a, yeah. that's just an unthinkable way of, of processing the horrible tragedy that this was. Uh, this can be very aggravating. Now, it also happened in a time where the group TRAN was planning their Trans Day of Vengeance uh, in Washington, D.C., at the steps of the Supreme Court. That, that in and of itself is staggering. Uh, they canceled it for fear of vengeance, which is kind of interesting, ironic, and it, I can't say it's funny. It's just the height of irony that the Trans Day of Vengeance was canceled for fear of vengeance upon yeah, right. the trans community. Okay, um, kind of the whole thing is is sort of bizarre, but we are recognizing and identifying that there is a violent element in this community, and and it has broken out against innocence. We got to figure out what are we up against here. Where are some of these people really coming from? And and look, identity is the basis of all human reality. We need to know where we are. There has been a tremendous amount of tolerance extended in this country um, in, in regards to people who are, are working through questions of their sexuality. Christians have tried very hard to be tolerant without surren surrendering their core beliefs or their confessions. People try to be gracious because we recognize that we are all sinners and that God doesn't have a scorebook on sin. Our sins are all sins. We get that. And we all need forgiveness. Americans have tried to be very careful, and Christians in particular. But if, if we are now dealing in a new realm of a violent ethic coming forth, we got to know about that, and people have the right to know. We do, and I think we must. And I again, I don't want even that desire to get lost in the fact that we are praying for the families. I don't know them personally. I know people who know them. And that is all, that's more than a pain that I can even imagine what, the, what is going through. And you're right, some of the funerals have already happened. Others are just about ready to. But our thoughts and our prayers are going out to the entire covenant community in Nashville. And uh, God have mercy as only he can have. Dave, we've got just a few minutes left here before we say goodbye yet for another one. I'm just grateful for you, my friend, of uh, just years now being on my program. You're the most frequent guest of all that I've had, by the way, on this program. And for good reason, you bring so much to all of us. And I, I just want to say thank you for that. Easter is here. Uh, and talk about uh, a cause for hope in a very dark week. Otherwise, we have the greatest celebration of life coming up this Sunday that we have all year long. And I'm, I don't think it's uh, coming at a bad time at all for America. Well, Mike, we are very, very fortunate and very, very grateful to live in a world where the gospel message, the historic reality of the life of Christ is still pronounced every day somewhere somewhere right here on this radio station so i'm very grateful for the shepherd radio network and for what you do every single day we must remember that in spite of the darkness and the pockets of darkness in our culture we are called to be the light of the world we can never give up hope and we cannot let ourselves be overwhelmed by the concentration 
of bad news and bad stories. We're not in denial. We know bad things happen. We weep over those bad things and we're scared of those bad things and we're troubled by them. But we must never, ever, ever forget that the reality of human transformation is possible. In an instant, in a moment, being born from above through the risen power of Jesus Christ, we are his witnesses, we are his ambassadors, and we call out to this culture and to ourselves and our families to be reconciled to God through the risen Christ. I love it. You know, for years growing up, I remember one song standing out that was done for me in my lifetime at our local church. And it was the song, He Lives, He Lives, Christ Jesus Lives Today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. Uh, uh, I I think I have all those lyrics. That's pretty close anyway. Uh, Growing up, that song is is true in the sense that we need to realize that he is still walking with us today and he is still there for us to comfort us and he is our greatest cause for hope of anything that's going on in our lifetime so i'm excited about this sunday i know you are what's your favorite easter song that you uh, you think of when you think of this time of year christ the lord is risen today uh, hallelujah yes I love it. It's and, 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 I, and we can go on, Mike. The hymns of Easter and some of the most brilliant, beautiful, overwhelming realities. We must never forget. There, at least we'll go back to where we started. There right. is one faith that has given us the human agency of true spirituality in union with God. And there is only one person who has ever come to this earth proclaiming to be God, dying for our sins, and rising from the dead. Just one. His name is Jesus. And he's the greatest uh, cause of hope for the world. He is the light, and uh, thank God for the light. And we know that light always just displaces darkness. So, friends, for all of the darkness that you feel around, let's look to the light, and this is a great weekend to do just that. My friend, thank you for being with me one more time, and it's always great to hear from you, and we uh, just trust for uh, you to have a great Easter season yourself, you and your family. We love you guys. Thank you, Mike. It's an honor to be your friend, and happy Easter to you. All right, and friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. 